go ahead, shake that jar of sprinkles and celebrate your role as a mom. I'm Stephanie Fleece with City Moms Blog Network, and my hope is that the next 40 minutes or so bring a smile to your face, a skip to your step, and a sprinkle or two to your mundane. This is Just Add Sprinkles, Celebrating Motherhood, a podcast by City Moms Blog Network. We have a really awesome episode planned for you today, but I want to start with a quick question. I'm going to ask you, is the concept of work-life balance a myth or a joke? No, no, I'm serious. It's certainly not reality, at least for most of us. As a mom of three myself who owns my own business and works full-time hours at home, I've got to be honest with you, I really struggle with this concept. I'm constantly juggling the my passion and desire to do my work well, but equally wanting to do home life well. So again, the idea of work-life balance is a constant daily struggle or thought of mine. Now, our guest today, author and speaker Samantha Edis, is an expert in this area. She's even written a book about it, and you're just going to love all of her insight. I know that I certainly did. We'll also hear from a mom in our network who wrote a fantastic post about this topic. I'm so excited to get started. Our guest today is Samantha Edis. Samantha is a renowned work-life expert and a sought-after speaker and has also written five books. Her most recent book is The Pie Life, a guilt-free recipe for success and satisfaction. She's also earned her undergraduate and MBA degrees from Harvard. Sam was our keynote speaker at our most recent Sister Site conference, and it was so fun to get the opportunity to chat with her even further. On top of that, she's super fun to follow on Instagram and lives in Los Angeles with her three kids and husband. So without further ado, here's our conversation. Samantha, hey, welcome to the Just Add Sprinkles podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Steph. I am so excited to be able to uh, talk with you today because we're going to talk about a topic that is something that comes up in my mind on a daily basis around the coffee table with other girlfriends and moms who are just trying to manage um, getting through each day, and that's the topic of work-life balance. And so uh, Samantha is an expert uh, in this kind of theme and topic, and so I would love for you to start, we're going to hop right into it, and start with any kind of um, relatable story that you can think of that um, where you've had to think through the work-life balance in your own life. I mean, do you want me to start in the next last hour or the last two days? <laughs> because they're constant. They're just constant. I mean, I think we all struggle with it. And it's so funny because we tend to have someone in our community or someone in our life that we think, oh, they don't have those struggles. But every single one of us does. And I, you know, talk about this topic for a living and I still deal with it every day. Just just yesterday, I was I live in Los Angeles and I was traveling you know, it's such a spread out city and I was traveling all over the place to really important meetings that I couldn't miss. But I was also keenly aware that the parent teacher conference signups for my three kids were coming out and you have to sign up online. They were coming out yesterday during the day. So between meetings, I was like a psycho constantly checking for those emails because if you... I feel like there's moms that literally just sit at their in their home waiting for this 
sign up to come and they like get those early morning spots that the working parents need within the first few minutes. And so I was so on it that I was actually late to one of my meetings because I was frantically trying to sign up all three kids so that our our meetings were like right next to each other. Anyway, then this morning I was so proud of myself because I got the slots we wanted. And this morning we get an email from the sixth grade teacher saying that she had to change a sign up that something went wrong and we need to start over. And I thought, really? And she announced that it was at nine o'clock when I had another call. So I'm like on the call, checking every second to see when it comes out. Anyway, long story short, as I signed up and I noticed every single slot, even though these were sent to both parents, every single slot was filled by women. And I realized that this was like, perhaps there's no better evidence of the invisible work we do as women than mm-hmm. the fact that all the moms, whether they work or not, are responsible for signups. Yeah. And it just reminded me, like, no matter how fair and balanced a relationship is, that invisible work just tends to bear more of a burden on us. Yeah. No, I, I'm giggling inside because I also am the mom that's like, when can I sign this? When can I sign up? <laughs> Like, I need to I know, be I know. It's like my potluck time. strategy. When there's like a potluck at school, I'm like, I'll bring napkins or paper plates. Like, don't ask me to bring a dish, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, that – and you know what? This – so just you mentioning that um, reminds me of an Instagram post I saw of yours actually uh, – just based on the things that you sign up for in your intentional use of your time, which is a huge struggle as a working mom to want to be present in our kids' classrooms, but also the fact that we're juggling these full-time careers and how is that going to work? And I remember a post that just went live um, that you posted probably a couple weeks ago at this point about you being in the classroom. And uh, I've kind of taken on this personal strategy of mine for, I don't know if it's even a good strategy, but I'm like, you know what, if I'm going to sign up for anything that has to do with my kids' classroom, it will be face-to-face interaction with them. Because it's as a so working smart. mom... That's the best strategy. I mean, I have to tell you, I I was um, the head of our benefit at school for a few years. And I was in these meetings every week for like four months of the year. We'd have a meeting every single week. And finally, I was like, the only time I'm interacting with my kids is when I'm doing an announcement in front of the school assembly twice a year. And when I mentioned to the kids that I think it's time for me to step down from the auction, they were like, no, we love watching you make announcements. And then I stayed in it an extra year just because of that. And I realized I made two announcements last year, like that were (laughs) two minutes each. Do they really need me to take on this burden just for the four minutes that they see their mom up there? Like, I'll find something else to make an announcement about. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, I, 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 I quit this year. I said, okay, I've done it for long enough. And I have to tell you, I've never looked back and it freed up so much time. So sometimes like we take on these things and a lot of it I think is out of guilt because as working parents, we're not around as much during the day. So we think, okay, I'll, I'll take on that activity that is at night or is in the early morning meeting. And then you realize it's not even helping your child. Right. Yeah. And uh, for what it's worth, for those of uh, those moms that are listening and you are able to sign up for all of those things that need to be done, I feel like bless you. Like bless you. I love that because there are needs that our schools have that many moms can sign up for. But I, I just feel like as a well, working you know, mom, I, I'm like, I do think we all have different amounts of time available. So like right. you just don't necessarily need the mom who like travels a lot like I do and 
works right. a lot and has three children, maybe it's better for the mom that has one child and a more flexible schedule. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like I think they say that the busier you are, the more you take on. And I know in my case, I like to say yes to everything and I'm still a believer in saying yes, but right. I think it's important to be strategic. It really is. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, you mentioned something that I think I'd love for us to talk a little bit about and that's mom guilt, uh, especially when it comes to juggling our home lives and our kids and and our spouses, um, and our thriving careers. And so uh, talk to us a little bit more about uh, that in your life. Well, I think that guilt is the number one predator for women. If you, you know, when I ask a room full of women if they felt guilty in the last 24 hours, almost everyone raises their hand. And if I ask that same question to a room full of men, it's really, there is a gender disparity. They just don't feel that much guilt. Um, when I put together my book, The Pie Life, I was interesting. I interviewed a hundred of the most successful women in the world. It was like the president of Barnard, Deborah Spar, Liz Lang, the maternity wear pioneer, Sally Krawcheck, who's like the number one woman on Wall Street, Shonda Rhimes from TV. And one thing that all of them had in common is they spend almost no time feeling guilty. Mm. And the most successful women really don't feel that guilty. I mean, I remember when I used to go on um, business trips, I would leave these like four-page color manifestos for my <laughs> husband. And it was totally unnecessary. One day he's like, you treat me like a buffoon. It's not that complicated. But I realized I was doing it for myself because I felt like if I was crossing every T and dotting every I and preparing my family as much as possible for this two-day departure, then everyone was going to be okay. Um right. And over time, I realized, you know what? The best thing I could do is like make it so that my husband knows how to do everything I do so that we're a little bit interchangeable, you know, so that mm -hmm. we can each step in and we really have that relationship where we can each step in. Mm -hmm. But then the other thing is that my kids, like I was kind of creating this neuroses around my departure, whereas now I'm like, guess where I get to go? I get to go to Arizona. I'm going to be talking to these women and I can't wait to tell you all about it and bring you something from Arizona. And there's no anxiety now about me leaving. And I think mm -hmm. um, when we realize that guilt doesn't benefit anyone and actually saps us of our good energy, it's a lot easier to let go of it. But if you're out there and you're doing things in the world and you're raising a family and you're trying to be a good spouse or a good friend, you really don't have a part of your pie, let's say, that should be devoted to guilt. There's just, it's a totally wasted emotion. So mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of trying your best to let it go. Yeah. Well, I feel like everyone can relate to so much of what you just said, myself included. Uh, I feel like the, and I, I mean, for what it's worth, I make a living on social media, so I am not naysaying social media by any means. And I think that there's a place and a purpose in social media, but I do think that because everyone, for the most part, puts their best foot forward on social media, then all you see of someone's life is the best 10% of their life, essentially. And that fosters this guilt, right? Because we think like, if my my life could only look like the best 10% of the my 10 closest friends' lives, then I'll be happier. Um, and that's not the case, because everybody has 90% kind of crummy part of their life. 
It's so true. It's so true. I mean, yesterday I posted on Instagram. I just had a really crappy day yesterday. I woke up, got in a huge fight with my husband, then had to like, you know, pull it together, get my kids to school. I was still really angry at him. <laughs> got in the car, had to like look cute for these big meetings with these TV producers yesterday. And I was like, meanwhile, like between meetings, I was like crying in my car. I was just, um, I was a complete wreck yesterday. And I finally, at the end of the day, I just felt so accomplished that I'd actually gotten through the day at all. You know, it was just one of those days. I don't have that many of them, but it was a day I just wanted to crawl back under the covers, but I knew that I couldn't. I had to be there for my family. I had to be there for these meetings that had been scheduled. And what was so interesting is I just posted on social media. I didn't even mention the fight with my husband because I felt a little funny like saying it on, you know, in print to everyone. And so I just kind of said, you know, I had a really rough day today and I didn't say anything about why. And all these people said, oh my gosh, thank you so much for saying that because it always seems like everything's perfect. And Mm. I think that we're so conditioned to believe other people's highlight reels that we forget that everyone is struggling with something. And if you had that person's treasures, you would also have their troubles. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just such an important thing to to think about. I mean, I even do it with my kids. I I find in general that the happiest women I know are the ones that never would consider uttering, oh, I'm so jealous of her, or even think about being jealous of another woman. Um, mm-hmm. And I want my kids to grow up not ever being jealous people either. So when mm-hmm. they have in the past said to me, oh, you know, Dylan's so lucky she gets to have sleepovers all the time, or... Um, you know, Johnny's so lucky because he, he has this toy. I always say, okay, if you had that toy, you would live in that house with those parents because, and those siblings, because life is not, and you know, it's not an a la carte menu. You don't get to choose mm-hmm. every little item you want. It's a package deal. And right. so part of being in our family are these rules. And you also get the benefits of the love and, um, and joy of our family. And what's remarkable is that I, I truly don't ever hear my kids ever saying they're jealous of another child. I think it really works. It's, and if we all as adults adapt that mentality too of, you know, I just want to be happy in my own life rather than comparing myself to someone else's because we have no idea what goes on. I mean, I, you know, we, and by the way, we all do it, right? We all see a woman in Starbucks or we see our neighbor or our friend from college on Facebook and we think, oh, that woman has a hotter husband or a better body or the perfectly behaved kids or or the, you know, the perfect career. And I like to think that if you had that career, you might also be battling that lawsuit or you might also have that debt. Or if you had mm-hmm. that, those, you know, that issue with your kids, you might also be struggling with a parenting issue. And, um, you know, if you had that body, you might also be, had, have melanoma. I mean, we never know what goes on behind closed doors. And yeah. I can tell you after working with thousands of women that there isn't anyone who doesn't struggle with something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that reminds me of one of my closest friends, probably about 10, 15 years ago had said, you know, if you put the names of 10 people that you most admire for a variety of reasons in a hat, and I offer to trade you 100% of your life for 100% of their life, would you do it? Like you just pick somebody's name out of the hat and you poof, you get a hundred percent of their life. Nobody's going to do it. Right. That's another (laughs) way of saying it. I love it. That's a great way of thinking about it. Exactly. But you never want that because to your point, you know, you get your treasures and your troubles as well. Um, And 
Oh my goodness, and so that is so true. But well, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, your book, The Pie Life, because I think there are so there's so many rich nuggets of truth in this book that I wish we could just talk for hours because there's so <laughs> many helpful insights. But um, tell me, you know, as you have tackled this huge sub huge subject of work-life balance, what are some tips that you share with working moms in particular that you think would be helpful to our listeners to hear? Well, yeah. And I also, I want to speak to all moms because I think that we've gotten to this place where we talk about working moms or stay-at-home moms. And mm. after working with so many women, what I found through the research is that the happiest, most fulfilled people are those that have something outside of their children. Because when we give birth, we don't suddenly lose all of our, our ambition, right? So mm -hmm. even if it's something part-time, we all like to have goals. And it's so important that we continue to have personal goals. And when our kids are our goals, it's really unhealthy for our kids. So it's really healthy for everyone in the family if you have goals outside of your children. Mm -hmm. um, and so having something that you feel really good about and fulfilled by outside of your family is, is really healthy for your relationship. It's really healthy for your parenting. It makes you a patient and, and better person. Um, right. And what I found was, you know, there were so, well, there's a couple things. Um, and one I'll share with you that you don't even know about. But so basically one of the things is I found over time I was working, I had a personal branding firm that I launched after business school. And what I found over time is that you couldn't talk to these very high achieving people about their professional lives at a certain point without talking about their personal lives. And once again, everyone was struggling with something. It might've been for one person, for my CEO, it was marital issues. For the chef, it was extreme financial distress. And for the Olympic athlete, it was parenting issues in this specific case. Um, and so what I found is that when I looked into the, the sort of environment, there was no one that was really tackling work-life balance. There were a lot of people telling you, you couldn't have it all and you couldn't do this or that, you know, and we have all really unhealthy frameworks for how we think about it. We talk about um, a scale, but for a scale to be in balance, you have to spend equal time at work and at home. And for people who are working full-time, that's not possible. So they're failing at that. And then we talk about juggling and anyone who's tried to have a conference call with a toddler in the room knows how impossible that is. And mm -hmm. then we talk about having it all, even though nobody does and no men talk about having it all, you know, right. they're free from that burden. Sure. So I realized that um, the most fulfilled people were the ones that allowed themselves permission to play in all of these different slices in their health, in their relationship or their quest to find one, in their kids in their careers in some way, in their hobbies, in their friends, and their communities. And um, what happens as women is we tend to think, you know what, if I just focus on my kids and my husband, I will be the perfect mom and the perfect wife. And then you realize that that's just not a recipe for success because it right. makes you a little bit angry and mm -hmm. you're resentful that everything revolves around other people and nothing ever is about you. Mm -hmm. um, and on top of it, you know, what we end up doing is we think, okay, if I just stay home, I'll never miss a moment. And it's impossible to not miss moments. It's impossible to not screw up. We all do. So it just mm -hmm. puts too much pressure on every slice. And so the reason I love this idea of this, the pie is that 
we make very specific goals for each slice of our life. Even if it's just, you know, going and starting a book club once a month, you're focusing on something with your friends. You're focusing on something with a hobby, even if it means taking a guitar lesson or going to take a class at a local college. Like there are things that, that drive us and make us feel better physiologically and mentally. And those Mm -hmm. then help all of our other slices. So, you know, thinking of it as a big ecosystem, all the slices affect one another and allowing yourself to realize like, you know, you only have one life. And one thing that as women, we tend to be martyrs. And one of the exercises I do with women who just won't allow themselves to have a hobby or be with their friends or go on date night is I say to them, what would you want for your own child? Like when you Mm. envision your child's life, most people say, I just want my kid to grow up to be happy. But then when you dig a little deeper and you say, what does that look like? They don't describe a life where they're just devoted to their kids and their husband and don't do anything else. That's not what we want for our own children. So Mm -hmm. we're role models and our kids watch everything we do, not just what we say. So one of the best gifts we can give them is to enjoy the life we're living now because they're much more likely to enjoy theirs as adults. Yeah. Well, I, and let's talk a little bit about that, uh, pie life idea, because one of the things that I loved that you shared uh, recently at an event that I heard you speak at, uh, is the fact that it's not that those slices of the pie are all the same size necessarily always like they, they fluctuate, like there are certain seasons of life that it looks different. And I think that that's also a valuable thing to consider is that if you think your pie should look like this other person's pie, like no way your pie is going to, and it's not going to look the same probably in a couple years even or tomorrow possibly, but there's some fluctuativeness to it. Uh, So talk to that. Yeah, well, it's, you know, we tend to beat ourselves up based on time, but we're usually pretty rational about our time. So um, if you have a career, you probably couldn't spend any less time on it and be successful. You know, you probably couldn't spend any less time um, caring for your sick parent. Or We all are pretty rational about our time. Um, Mm -hmm. But the reason I'm so encouraged women, even if you're super busy and even if you have little kids, to put down all of your slices on a piece of paper is because even if they're just a sliver, they exist. Mm -hmm. So even if friends are a sliver today, no, for example, this morning I was supposed to have coffee with a friend of mine who's a dear friend of mine right after drop off at eight o'clock. And then I opened a thing from the class mom and it said, oh, we're meeting about the fourth grade trip at eight o'clock. And I said to my husband, would you mind just popping in for 20 minutes to this meeting on the way to work? And he said, yes. And then I didn't tell him why, but he wouldn't probably have not necessarily understood why my coffee with a friend for 20 minutes was more important than him getting to work an extra 20 minutes early. But I knew for my own mental health that I was important to me to see this friend. Right. And so um, I think prioritizing, you know, even just a little bit of time for each of the slices, like it really didn't interfere with that many things. I saw this right. one for, for coffee and I, I really protected that time with her. Yeah. Um, but it's really important. I just know personally, I'm the kind of person that if I don't connect with my friends every week or I don't, you know, go on date night or whatever, like I feel really disconnected and unhappy. So yeah. I make sure that I include those things in my life. And I think it's so important. And back to what we were talking about with work-life balance, one of yeah. the most frustrating things in my career has been that over the last, you know, 10 years, I have so many women approaching me, whether it was on my old radio show or after speeches or after TV appearances. And they say, I left the workforce and I really want to go back, you know, and I haven't worked in three or five years. 
maybe 10 years, maybe two years, whatever it is. And it's so hard to get back because um, after you leave for just two years, there's less than a 50% chance you'll ever again find a full-time position. So it's really brutal out there because people don't want to hire people that have not worked in years because they might not be social media savvy. They might not be, you know, know the, the newest things going on. And it's easier to hire someone that was working yesterday. So for years, I've only been able to offer them inspiration. Um, and at the same time, I've seen all of these friends of mine doing things like selling a lot of direct sales, things like makeup and skincare. And mm-hmm. most of them don't make any money from it. And their friends are very frustrated with them because they don't want to be sold to <laughs> all the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, and so, um, and, and they're not even making martini money, you know? So, um, right. I actually have a, a new business with a partner. It's part of my overall business, helping women. And, um, we are training a sales force of women to sell a financial services product so that when they're out there, they're making recurring revenue. They're not selling to their friends they're selling to businesses. And sure. they're also being trained and called account executives so that they have, actual resume experience that will be considered real experience when they go back into the workforce. And I think it's something that we do to women that we like look at a pregnant woman and we say, oh my gosh, what are you going to do? Are you going to stay home or are you going to work? And we, at that moment, you know, no one ever does that to a dad who tells his friends he's that they're expecting, right? We don't say to the man, oh, are you going to stay home? Are you going to go back to work? And at that moment, we kind of set her on this path of guilt that if she chooses to work or, you know, that she's going to be, it's almost like we tell women that they have more choices than they do Mm -hmm. um, because keeping a foot in the door just really, really helps you. Um, And I know I've, I've met so many of the women that are involved in, you know, your blogging network. And I just think like they have the best of both worlds because in many ways they're in the workforce, they're involved, they have a community of women who are like them and working and they're entrepreneurial and they have all these goals and they're also able to have time for their families. It's kind of an amazing combo. Can I get that on record? (laughs) I feel like that you just gave like an awesome sales pitch for (laughs) But it's true. Um, I I really, first of all, I couldn't get over how – um, you know, I feel like the women in your network were just really exceptional. Like they were, they were the moms I would want to be friends with in every community yes. in the country. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And there, well. there was just something about them. And I was like, oh my gosh, I totally see why they do this. Cause there's this addictive nature of this amazing dynamic community. Sure. But then at the same time, they have great work experience and they're yeah. completely employable, whether they yeah. want to stay in that forever or do something else. So yes. I just think it's, yes. it's great. And, and oh. the more, you know communities we can create like that, the more job opportunities. That's why I'm creating Park Place. It's called Park Place, but that's why I'm creating Park Place because I feel like there are so many women who want to participate in the workforce but want to do it on their time and want flexibility and need flexibility. And right now, the workforce is just not set up for that. We'll get back to more of my interview with Samantha in just a moment, but I wanted to take a moment to stop and quickly share with you some thoughts on this very topic from within our City Moms Blog Network sisterhood. Meg Shysaks, a contributor for our sister site, Jacksonville Moms Blog in Florida, recently wrote this poignant post, and I know it will resonate with you. Here it is in her own words. Working moms have two jobs, the one that pays them and the one they love more than life. And there are so many times these two jobs are at odds with each other, 
are pitted against each other, suck time and energy from each other, and pull a working mom in too many directions when she has no give left to give. After 17 years, minus two years at home, of working, seven years with one kid, four of them with two kids, and almost two years with four kids, I like to think I have figured out the whole office mom thing. The truth is, until all organizations and companies are truly compassionate and understanding of working mothers, being a working mom is always going to be really, really hard. So here's a little secret I've learned. You can't. You can't do it all, have it all, be it all, all at the same time, for everything and everyone, all of the time. You can't. There aren't enough hours in the day or shots of espresso in the world. Some days you'll be a rock star employee. Some days you'll be a rock star mama. Some days you'll be mediocre at parenting and knock a big meeting out of the park. Some days you'll kill it on the Pinterest holiday craft with your kids. And some days you'll just not quite get that presentation done to the absolute best of your ability. Some days you want to do over at work and at home. Sometimes peanut butter sandwiches are an acceptable dinner. Dirty clothes can get worn again. Baths don't happen. But happy, well-rested, and fed kids are all that matters. And sometimes shortcuts have to be taken. Give yourself a break and some grace. Grace is my third child's name for a reason. I always need a reminder. You can't. Right now. Maybe right now you don't want to travel to three cities in one week and nurse a six-month-old. Maybe right now you're going to have to, uh, mommy track yourself for a bit, as much as every professional bone in your body screams against it. Maybe, right now, you're okay with flexibility instead of a bigger paycheck. Maybe, right now, you're just going to have to ride on all that goodwill you built up before the kids came. Those days when you had no problem staying late, taking on the big projects, working during that crisis, or tackling an issue in an office in another city. Maybe, right now, all you can handle is your family and your job and no extras. Maybe right now that good friend just doesn't get a home-cooked meal from you, but you can order her a pizza. I say this a lot to myself, and it is really hard for me to do, but maybe right now isn't a good time to lead that church group because my 8-year-old started a new school and needs me home at night. Maybe right now it isn't a good idea to join that committee because work is going to be really busy, and that is my priority. Sometimes, I know, we don't have a choice, especially when it comes to work. But where you can, let right now go. Giving this or that up, saying no for right now is okay. Because right now is, after all, temporary. You can't right now, and that's okay. This was and is the absolute hardest one for me to come to accept. I can't go to the splash park with my friends and our kids on a beautiful Friday morning, and that's okay because working means we have health insurance. I can't force myself to get to the gym before work, and that's okay. Sleep is more important than a beach body. I can't help on that committee that really needs parent volunteers, and that's okay. There will always be committees, and there will always be a need for parent volunteers. I can't stay late at work again without my kids getting kicked out of daycare, and that's okay. 
I'll just work at home after they go to sleep and skip the Netflix, and it will still get done in time. I can't have friends over on a weeknight, and that's okay. A bummer, but still okay. Sometimes, something's just got to give for the greater good for your family. This is a lesson I fail at over and over until I have four screaming kids at 7 p.m. and I think, fine, next time we just won't do that. And that's okay. You can't right now, and that's okay. Some days you can, but not all the time for all the things or for everyone. Maybe not right now, but one day you will be able to because right now is not forever. And that's okay because in the end, only the big things matter. And remember, always give yourself some grace. I couldn't agree with that last statement more. We have got to give ourselves grace upon grace upon grace. Whether you're a working mom or a stay-at-home mom, honestly, the ability to give ourselves grace on a daily basis is one of the saving (laughs) parts of this motherhood journey. And so thank you, Meg, for sharing that. Okay, now that we've shared that, we're going to hop back into my chat with Samantha Edis. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you know that I always I always like to say that I like to, you know, get to women, young women too, before they've made a poor choice in partner because <laughs> I yes. think that the choice of partner is a huge factor in your success and reaching your potential as a woman because right. if you're partnered with someone who doesn't believe in your dreams, it's really hard to achieve them. Yes. Um, And so that's a huge, huge issue. Yeah, that's one thing that you'd mentioned um, when I heard you speak is just that you rarely meet a successful woman that doesn't have an incredibly supportive partner. Uh, And I would say that's for sure. Or is a single mom, you know, or is a single mom. Because I I, I know a lot of really impressive single moms. um, And I know moms that have 50% partners. But if you're in the middle, if you are partnered, with someone who assumes you're going to do 90% of the work at home and with the kids, Mm -hmm. A, it's not healthy for your kids, but it's also really unhealthy for you because you're going to be Mm -hmm. exhausted and bitter. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. No, I... So nobody wins, you know? Yeah. Right. Right. Well, uh, all of this stuff is such good information. And um, I do want to ask you to kind of talk about one principle in your book that I found to be really thought provoking and something that I think a lot of our listeners will find to be the same is this golden triangle idea. Um, and this yes, is just and a Kathy kind of... Lee and Hoda like the golden triangle too. Oh, hey. <laughs> it to be, yes. It was, it's like, it's so funny. It's like something that everyone thinks, oh my gosh, the golden triangle. So the idea of the golden triangle is that if you have children, you are committing yourself to doing all of your errands from the gym to the hair salon to the chiropractor within the three points between your home, your office, and your child's school. And the reason that's so important is because as busy moms, we're so pressed for time all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, even today, it's like when I'm not traveling, I try to do my pickups and drop-offs. So today, my day ends at three because I'm running to take my daughter to tennis and then you know be home with my kids for dinner. And I just know that it's such a short day. And so if I then have to tap, you know, tack on all these errands and they're out of the way, it's just so much lost time. So if you, you know, if you live in a major city and you're really wed to your dentist, you're really wed to this one market, I bet there's something closer to you 
And I mean, as humans, we don't like change, but if you're just willing to make a little bit of an adjustment, I bet sure. there's someone closer to you and it will save you so much time per month, especially some of those weekly errands, whether it's getting your nails done or, you know, getting your, um, going to the, the drugstore or going to the doctor, whatever it is, if you start changing some of those, I mean, I, when I first moved to Los Angeles from New York, the dentist that was recommended to me was just the pits and like recommended all this really invasive stuff on my child. And I, I thought I need someone else. So mm-hmm. I told this story to a friend and she said, Oh my, you know, my aunt's whatever, some cousin has this dental practice. It's really far from you, but it's so worth it. So I started going to the pediatric dentist that was 45 minutes from our house. And I told myself, oh, that's so great because I can book all three kids at the same time. Well, sure enough, the second time we went there, one child was sick. So I had to bring two children. Then I had to bring the other back the next week. And I was like, okay, this is not working, you know, because it's just some of these things, it's just, I'm sure I'm in Los Angeles. I can find a pediatric dentist that's within a few miles of me. (laughs) And I did. Mm -hmm. And it's just one of those things that we get trapped into going to the best, but not considering that some, one of the factors of being the best is that it's local. And so if you pare down your golden triangle, and then the other thing from the book that we didn't mention that I wanted to talk about, especially with your audience is that, yeah, I call the years when you have a child under age five in your home, those are called the maintenance years. If you can just keep up anything in your career during that time, you are a winner because those years are so manual labor intensive. You're so sleepless. They're just really hard years. And then before you know it, you switch into more of the emotional labor, which I think is for me at least a lot easier than being on the floor when you're exhausted and playing Lego, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I think it's so ironic that you just mentioned the maintenance years because that's where I was going to take our conversation next. I saw that you have uh, the Pi Life book, but then you also have this amazing Pi Life planner. And I was reading about the maintenance years and one of the really awesome tips that you share in each of the weeks um, in your planner. And uh, most of our listeners, I will say, do have kids under the age of five. And so they are in the maintenance maintenance years. And so that is, those are tough years. And I feel like you they just really speaking are. to like yeah, the I mean, hardiness it, of them weird, is good. But like, it's so funny. I have a 12 year old and a 10 year old and a seven year old. And that seems so unfathomable to me when I was in the maintenance years, because I had a one year old, a three year old and five year old, you know, I had three kids under age five at once. And I just thought like, oh my gosh, I'm never getting out of this. This is what my life is going to be like forever. It's so yeah. exhausting. And yeah. I, you know, when you have three kids, there's always one who's not sleeping or one who's sick. And I was just like, this is exhausting. Now, I mean, I can't even tell you how like dreamy my ages of my kids are because and I and by the way if you ask me about those baby years it's like I have amnesia I don't remember what it was like and it was all a sleepless like kind of blur I can't even think back but now you know my husband will sometimes be like do you remember we used to travel how much we used to travel with like just the diapers and the wipes and just the crap that you're taking everywhere and it took the hell to get out of the house or go anywhere and it was just so brutal and even airplanes now I mean we travel with my three kids they want to sit together they would rather the three of them sit together than sit with me and my husband so it's like being on a date I mean we have like this entire plane ride to just that chat sounds... or you know do work or read <laughs> yeah. a magazine or a book it's like heavenly oh my gosh I'm sitting here with like why eyes wide open <laughs> 
because I'm thinking, oh, that sounds so dreamy. <laughs> uh, but I do understand totally what you're saying because my kiddos are eight, six, and five. And so I do find that I'm moving out of those maintenance years. And while they're still very close to my memories, um, I, I do think that my career looks different now because my emotional, physical, mental capacity is so different now than it was when they were one, two, and four. Uh, and exactly. so, yeah, I think just owning what season you're in and being okay with that and circling back to that first comment and point that you made in terms of releasing that guilt um, is so pivotal regardless of what season you're in. Yeah, and you know what? I think that when you have kids in those in, in the manual labor years, like in many ways they need you less then than they do in the emotional years in terms of mm-hmm. being present. So yeah. I think that, you know, it's super, super important, especially if you're in those really energy sapping manual labor years that you are going on a weekly date night, that you are seeing your friends on a regular basis. It's really important for your sanity because otherwise, I mean, I always say like every adult needs a night out per week with other adults, like a car needs gas. Like that's your fuel and you'll be way better parent if you have that night. So, I mean, I try really hard to kind of like pair things. If I have a speaking engagement, maybe I'll also meet a friend for drinks afterwards since I know I'm going to be out anyway. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or I'll pair it with, with a night out to dinner. Like it's just, it's really, really important to just figure out where those possibilities are in your life. And the other thing, someone gave me this advice when I had my first baby and it was the best advice ever. It was get a weekly sitter every Saturday night starting at 3 p.m. And I was like, what? And she said, no, because that's almost the end of the day for your baby and or your toddler. It's almost the end of the day. And for you, it allows you to do errands, go shopping, whatever you have to do, get a manicure in those two hours before you go out. Yeah. Um, and that was just amazing advice. Now, of course, my life has changed. So I don't have that. My babysitter on Saturday nights comes at six because we're at sports with our kids, but we, or we want to be spending the day doing some fun adventure with them Sure. because they're older. But when yeah. they're little, it's like three o'clock is actually a perfect time. To oh, have it someone. sounds so yes, because everybody's going downhill at about three o'clock around exactly. here. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, you know what? You are such a better parent on Sunday if you've had that 3 p.m. on time on Saturday. Yes. Um, so we literally looked on Craigslist. We found this woman who was young and fun and did art projects. And the kids to this day love her. She's been with us for six years. And they love her. And they like, if we cancel on her because we want to be with the kids, they get angry. In fact, like this Saturday night, our plans canceled. And I was like, oh my God, we can't cancel Noelle because the kids will be so angry. So we have to go out anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You have to go out. I love it. (laughs) That's so ridiculous. I know. Oh, well, one other kind of comment I wanted to make, and then we'll close things up, even though I could talk to you for another hour. Um, But you'd mentioned kind of the slice of friendship um, or that kind of value add to your life as uh, a mom. But I think the hobbies part is where most moms actually do very poor at for the most part. Um, And I think even in those maintenance years, just one of the things that I've adapted, which is going to make me sound so old, but I started gardening because I needed something that was away from my computer because all I do is I'm working on the computer all the time. And I was like, I need something that is going to be enjoyable to me. It's productive. Um, And it's outside. And it's outside. And I am 
such a better mom and such a better um, CEO when I am getting my hands dirty and I'm doing this hobby that I feels like it's it. not productive, but it really is. And so um, it whether is, it's gardening because, or know, whatnot. There's, it's brilliant. And there's so much research that backs it up too that says that the effects of a hobby are similar to the effects on your body from exercise. They mm. lower your heart rate. They're just better for you overall. So right. when you are doing a hobby, it's not selfish. It's actually helping your relationships. It's helping you be a better parent. It's helping you be a better partner. And right. it's helping you be better at work because you're probably your brain is helped by it. So I think we also have to broaden our definition of hobbies because a hobby, you know, for me – for example, I love reading fiction. Mm. And I notice I am a happier person when I'm involved with a book. And yes. people will look at my life and say, how do you have time to read? And for me, it's like I, I enjoy it so much that if I bring a book somewhere – even if I only read a few pages of it, just having a book that I'm engaged with just helps me kind of shut down because I'm like you. I'm on social media all the time. I'm always having to be on for work. So for me, it's so good to have something that's just bringing my brain to another place and relaxing me. And then I love doing jigsaw puzzles and Sudoku with my son. And I almost, now that my kids are older, I think of them as kind of part of my hobbies. Like we'll go to the movies or we'll do the Sunday New York Times puzzle together. Like those are those are kind of family activities that also make me happy. So mm -hmm. I think it could, you know, for some people it's a health thing. It's running or yoga. For other people, it's being part of a sailing team or doing improv or taking a class at a local college. But mm -hmm. there's so much, you know, benefit to just involving something outside of your normal daily routine in your life, something that made you happy as a child or anything that, you know, even learning to knit, whatever it is, but, mm -hmm. you know, finding a way to incorporate that into your life is really healthy. Yes, for sure. Well, I, I think we um, have the commonality. I love that you mentioned Sudoku because I feel like Sudoku and gardening are both like old lady things to do. I, I know, like me and my jigsaw puzzles. My kids make so and much fun of me. In, in fact, I'm obsessed with the thousand piece jigsaw puzzle. We always have one out in my house. And it's actually fun because when other kids come over, they're actually appreciative of the jigsaw puzzle, even if my family is no longer appreciative. <laughs> but they'll like come and do a piece or two. But what's so funny is that the other day I was doing the puzzle with um, my daughter, Ruby, and my son, Bowen. And Ruby goes, Mom, I really don't want to do the puzzle anymore. Like they literally do it for me. They're like, I don't want to do the puzzle anymore, but it's okay because Bowen's doing it. And he looked at her and he goes, Ruby, I don't even like the puzzle. I just do it because mommy thinks it's calming. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I was like, oh my gosh, this is becoming hilarious. Like, it's just, oh. just, I didn't even, I didn't know that. I thought he really enjoyed it. And he oh. got so angry at her. What do you mean? I only do it because mommy thinks it's calming. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so, everyone listening, if you don't have a hobby, look into jigsaw puzzles, Sudoku, or gardening, <laughs> and your life will be turned upside down. <laughs> No, I love I it. Well, uh, Samantha, this has been so good. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom and just helpful tools about the topic of work-life balance. And I, um, yeah, for those of you that have not picked up her book, The Pie Life, definitely get your hands on a copy because it's awesome. And it's full of like way more than what we talked about. Um, really awesome tips. And so thank you, Samantha, for being on with us. Thank you so much, Steph. That's it for this episode of Just Add Sprinkles Celebrating Motherhood. Thank you for joining me as we talked about the incredibly important and relevant topic of work-life balance. A special thank you to our guest, Samantha Edis, 
uh, for sharing her heart with us. Learn more about Samantha on her website, samanthaedis.com. Edis is spelled E-T-T-U-S. If you haven't had a chance to subscribe to the Just Add Sprinkles podcast, I'd strongly encourage you to do so, so you can know when the latest episodes are live and available for you to listen to. And even more so, we'd love for you to post a review. Uh, We want more and more people to know about this podcast um, and to be encouraged by it. And so your reviews and your subscription mean the world to us. And so thank you so much for uh, listening and being a part of what we're doing with City Moms Blog Network. So for next episode, we're talking about a really, I don't know if I can call it an exciting topic, but a poignant topic for a lot of moms, and that is picky eaters. I've got to be honest, as a mom to an incredibly picky eater myself, I'm really looking forward to getting some tips and tricks on how to get my picky eater to eat more. And I'm going to guess that we've got plenty of other moms that have picky eaters as well. So this is going to be a good one. You're not going to want to miss it, which is why you want to subscribe. So thanks for joining me today. Uh, And remember, you're doing an awesome job. Keep it up. And don't forget to just add sprinkles.